Aren't you glad the Lord is good? You know, look around. We, we're social distancing, but high five. Good to see you all this morning. Some of you are here for the 930 service, right? Because you didn't change your clocks? We had a very small crew for our 830 service. So uh, we're glad you're here. If you're watching online, worship with us. Hey, let's just pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together. Uh, you're going to hear a great word. It's going to strengthen you in your faith. So let's let's pray and just open our hearts up to the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that we gather together in this place. And God, you are so good to your sons and daughters right now. And we just bless every single person here, those that are watching it live or, or on, a, on a delay. Lord, we ask that you would just bless us through this service. May the worship raise up to your heavens. May it be a sweet aroma. Lord, may the praise of your people build us up in our faith, Lord. And we just worship you today, God, because the Lord, you are good. And everything you do is good and pleasing. So we worship you as a community of faith, Father, in Jesus' name. Worship team, continue to lead us in worship. We worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you for who you are. door I'm 
The Red Sea is the blood. I brought you through the blood and your royalty. And you're going to walk erect. You're going to stand tall. You're going to be head and shoulders. You're no longer the tail. But you are the head, the Lord says over you. But I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you. Because you know what? Sometimes when we've been long in a place, when we've been long in or it's been handed down. Listen, they were taught how to be really good slaves. They were so good at being slaves that they multiplied in it. Get it. They were so good at being slaves, they multiplied in it. And the Lord is saying, guess what? I'm changing your DNA. Because when I bring you out, you have my DNA. And guess what? I'm not a slave. I'm not a slave. I have nothing in common with slavery. Jesus said to the enemy, about the enemy, I have nothing in common with you. Come on, we have nothing in common with the ways of the enemy. We have nothing in common with slavery, with captivity, with imprisonment, with bondage. Not in our thought life, not in our emotional life, not in our relationships, not in any way. You brought me, come on, we're gonna, and you know where it all begins? It begins by faith. It doesn't begin by sight, it begins by faith. By faith, by faith, I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. I believe, Lord, that you can bring me out of this bondage. I believe that you can break this off of my life. I believe, Lord, that you can break off the generational thing handed down to me. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Holy Spirit, right now, I just feel like you want to break some stuff off. Woo! You took me out of Egypt. You held my hand. You held my hand. You brought me into freedom to the promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey. My destiny, Lord. My destiny, Lord. My destiny. It's not some sort of metaphor only. It is actual. It's for today. It's for 2021. We break off, Father those things that we may have been taught over the years we may have been taught by our even our loved ones the ones that loved us helped preserve us in the land of Egypt showed us how to make it happen in the land of Egypt the Lord said I brought you out of that land I brought you out of that land of sickness I brought you out of that land of mental illness I brought you out of that land of poverty I brought you out of that land of dysfunctional relationship I brought you out of that land of depression i brought you out of that land of anxiety come on i brought you out of that land i'm going to teach you starts with faith starts with faith i believe lord your word come on let's sing that song again you stepped into my Egypt. you took me by the hand and you marched me out in freedom into the promised land now i will not forget you god i'll sing of all you've done death is swallowed up forever by the fury of your love as you stepped into my Egypt, you took me by the hand and you marched me out in freedom into the promised land now i will not forget you god i'll sing of all you've done
off anything that's not productive but also in the refining process there is a purification and a tempering so when you take a piece of steel my brother used to work at a foundry and he would tell me about how they take and they temper steel and it goes into the fire and it's intensified the heat is intensified and it hardens it so it doesn't crumble under pressure so right now Lord we just come before you and we ask that Lord you would take us into the fire not in a fire to destroy us, but a fire that would remove any anything in our life that is unpleasing to you. Anything, any areas of weakness, Lord, because you want to make us strong men and women of faith. And I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit could just temper us as men and women of faith, Lord. Doesn't matter how long we've known you, doesn't matter how long we've been in church, you have the ability to take something and to refine it in such a way that it becomes a solid solid example to those around them and Lord we just commit ourselves to you right now and I pray father that you would just bless our time bless the rest of the day that we have together here bless the word that's going to be spoken to us shortly I pray that Lord you'd bless every single family that is here every single individual is here and Lord let us be drawn more into a more intense intense relationship with you father in Christ's name we ask amen Amen. Well, welcome. Glad you're all here. Good seeing some of you. And uh, welcome to Crossroads. We're glad you're part of our service. You know, it's uh, you're gonna you're gonna hear a really good word this morning. Uh, Pastor Lynn's preaching, and she's got some great things she's gonna be saying. Uh, and I, I want to talk to you just very briefly about relationship. You know, it's can you believe it's been almost a year since we've been in like this modified whatever lockdown insanity globally. Uh, we were on a, a conference call with some friends in India, 
uh, just the other night, and uh, after the call ended, we talked to them, and they said, you know, it's just as bad there. It's even worse there than it's being reported. But I thank God that we have community because, you know, we were not made to be isolated. Do you know that? We were made to be connected with one another. And as a matter of fact, in Scripture, if you go through Scripture, just in the, the writings of the New Testament, there are over 40 verses that talk about one another and encourage one another, pray for one another, bless one another, be devoted to one another, you know, have compassion towards one another. And this morning's message is going to talk about relationships that we have and the dynamics of our relationships. And as, as uh, my wife was preaching this morning, I, I thought about how God works things together. Because, you know, I've, I've been doing this devotional now. I think I'm on number 58 or 57, something like that, in the book of Colossians in chapter 3. And this week, I'm going to be going into the household codes. And if you don't know what the household codes are, they're the relational codes found in the writings of the Apostle Paul and how we develop our Christian faith so we take it just from up here cerebrally into how it fleshes out in our relationships with other people. And I was thinking about how her message is going to tie right into a, a segue into that message of the Apostle Paul. And it's, it's really interesting because one of the things that you read when you read through Scripture is Paul, in, in, in his letters, tells us how important it is for us to be in a sense of community. And I don't know about you, but this last year, we've been isolated in so many ways from so many people. You know, it's, it's so good to see the Ortiz's little darling, absolutely gorgeous little girl. Simon, you and your wife make beautiful kids. You know, you should have like 10 more, you know. Uh, no pressure, no pressure, <laughs> you know. But it, it, you miss seeing people. You miss seeing people. And, you know, it's always one of those weird things when you walk up to someone and they're like, oh, I haven't seen you forever. And it's like, what, what do we do? Is it like the old, you know, the 80s kick dance song, you know? You know, you, know, you don't know how to greet people anymore. And the, the thing is, as believers, we're not made to be isolated. We're made to be in a, in a community of people. And Scripture says it over and over. And I, I love the way... The, uh, the book of Romans in Romans chapter 12 verse uh, 10 says it this way. It says, and be devoted to one another. What does it mean to be devoted to one another? It means being committed to one another regardless of what's going on. That you're devoted. I'm devoted to my wife. There can be a thousand other women in the room. I'm devoted to my wife. She's devoted to me, right? All right? Just, just checking. Okay. And it says also, and honor one another. You know, and honor is putting others above yourself. And, and the whole thing, you know, you may not like to wear a mask. You may not like to get vaccinations. I, I wear a mask. I've got probably 50 in my truck. I got my first shot. I'm going to get my second shot. If I have to get a third shot, I'll take a third shot, fourth shot. You know, I don't care how many needles I have to stick in me. I've traveled enough abroad to, to say just how many do I get today? Only one? Oh, cool. You know, but we do it for one another. We do it to honor one another, to protect one another. And I want to encourage you as believers, think about how the Lord wants you to be integrated with the lives of people around you. It's not just you and God. You know, it's really easy when it's just you and the Lord, but it gets fleshed out when you're rubbing shoulders with someone else or you have a dis disagreement with someone or you have a different opinion than someone or someone does something that kind of... The, the way I refer to it is it's a burr under your saddle. You know what that is? Any horse, people that ride horses, you know, that thing that gets under you that just annoys you and it's that constant annoyance. That's when our faith becomes real. 
And so I pray that the Holy Spirit will just take the, the words of the message today and the words of Scripture and really massage it into our hearts. Our church, our desire at this church is not to give you just the pabla of the word. We want to give you the meat of the word. Amen. And you're going to get some good, solid steak this morning. Okay? And you may have, do you ever, do you ever eat something and your jaw hurts afterwards? You know, today may be that message, okay? But it's to strengthen you and to develop you so that you are the strong, powerful men and women of faith that God has destined you to become. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you once again that we can gather here. Father, I thank you that we can gather indoors finally after, after almost a year of being separated. And I pray that the word that is about to come after we share announcements that, Lord, that word would get down deep in our spirits to make us the strongest believers that we can be. Lord, I pray that the word would, 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 would just resolve uh, any issues that we may have. It may uh, firm us up in our faith with you, Lord. It may build us up with one another, strengthening one another, Father. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Anthony, you want to come do the announcements? All right. Good morning, everybody. Um... Yeah, it's a little bit more lively crowd this morning than it, or than it was earlier this morning. Uh, we just want to welcome everybody today. Uh, any visitors, any first-time visitors, any first-time viewers, uh, we just want to say welcome. If you are here and it's your first time or you haven't done so before, in front of you, in the, pru- in the pew in front of you, there's a, a little card there. If you want to just fill that out, uh, you can throw an email on there because we also do offer a weekly newsletter that goes out to everybody on Friday. Um, and so what that is is just has all the information that goes on with our church, uh, um, contact information, and, and other information as well. Um, we also offer um, sermons online. So if you uh, listen to podcasts or if you don't, if you happen to miss something or you hear something that you uh, that catches your ear for somebody else, uh, feel free to. Um, you know, subscribe to our podcast through Apple or Spotify, anything like that. Uh, and then you can send it to somebody. You can re-listen to something. You can go uh, check the backlog. You can find something that you might uh, think is for you uh, that you haven't heard before. Uh, but I do encourage you to, to either re-listen or re-watch. If you go to our website as well, you can find um, all of these, the Facebook Lives of these as well. So you can, you can do it that way also. Uh, before I move on, I do want to uh, just state that all of our um, small groups and groups are meeting again um, here at the church. We have the uh, Bible studies and we have youth and we also have, uh, I was looking at it, I think we have 11 or 12 different um, groups, not counting Bible studies here, that uh, that meet up together um, to, to get you the word. And um, I was thinking about it after the first service and I'm, I'm part of... Uh, a couple of groups. I do youth. I do uh, worship ministry, and, and we have a small group that we go to, and that's quite a few things. Um, but I still I still struggle, and um, you know that that's the thing. It's you can't you can't use the last year, you can't use the pandemic anymore as an excuse to say, well, I can't get together with people, and I can't do. There there's other uh, there's ways now that we can do it. We, we, everybody's. Um, pretty much masked up for the whole time. Everybody's, we try to social distance as best we can. Um, but things are hard and, you know, you, you, you need that interaction. Like Pastor was saying, you can't be secluded. You can't, and you can't take it upon yourself to seclude yourself from people 
You can't use the excuse of, well, I can't meet up today. I can't meet up, you know, my kids. I have kids. And, you know, we have the, the kids' uh, ministry going on today. Uh, Wednesdays for the meetings, uh, Bible studies, we have kids going on, uh, their, their ministry going on Wednesdays as well. So uh, please get together with people. Get get in your groups. Get, get fed, okay? Uh, that's just my little side note. Uh, we have tongues of worship uh, or tongues of fire worship service coming up. That's going to be March 26th. Uh, that is a Friday. Um, that is going to be an English and Hindi service. Uh, we're going to try to make that a quarterly event. That's going to be from eight to ten o'clock. Uh, that is to um, so that way the um, India time zone. That way they can watch it um, not at a dreadful hour. So. We will be here from 8 to 10 or whenever the Holy Spirit decides to let us leave. Um, but do be ready for that. Do come out for that. Again, March 26th, starting at 8 o'clock. Get here early if you can. Um, but again, March 26th, Tongues of Fire Worship Service. Also, we have our Holy Spirit Retreat coming up. That's going to be here at the church. Um, that is uh, Thursday and Friday, April 8th and 9th, uh, March 28th is going to be your last day to sign up. So if you yourself or if you know somebody um, who has said before, you know, they, they want to be uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, they want to receive the power of tongues, um, let them know that March 28th will be the final date that you can um, basically register for that. Okay? Uh, Crossroads, we do um, support lots and lots of uh, missionaries and um Again, until I came to this church, I, I just thought missionaries were just, you know, people that obviously wanted to get the word out somewhere else, but I thought they were nuts. I thought they were crazy people. Um, and they are. They still are. They, they, You know, to follow the Lord and say, okay, well, I'm going to go to this country or this, you know, part of the world that I've never been to before um, and, you know, uproot uh, my life for, for a better cause. That's, that's amazing. It's crazy, but it's amazing. Um, and this week, uh, Missionary of the Week is Leroy and Tammy Martinez. Uh, they are out in Mali, uh, West Africa. So if you um, can keep them in your prayers, if you do support them, continue to do that, uh, along with all the other missionaries that we support. Um, but keep them in your prayers. They are taking over for uh, her, her family's um, uh, missionary out there. Um, they are... You know, taking over planting of new churches and taking over uh, a Bible school out there. Uh, they're learning languages, so so keep them in your prayers, um, as, along with all the other missionaries, because like I said, they do uh, crazy, amazing things out there. So uh, we are going to go ahead and take uh, tithes and offering. And if it is your first time, please do not feel obligated to give. Uh, however, if you would like to, there are envelopes in front of you. Uh, we're going to have. Um, these gentlemen come walking around collecting and we're just going to pray real quick so if everybody can bow your heads and we'll, we'll take the offering father god we thank you lord god lord we thank you for your your grace and your love father and we thank you for the ability to, to come together today father god and lord um anything given today father god we ask that you just take it and multiply it lord god and and use it for your word, Lord God, for to get your word out into the world, Father God. Uh, Lord God, anybody that gives today, Father, we just ask that you bless them uh, on top of everything that is given, Father God. That you, uh, a double portion for them, Father God. And Lord, we just thank you and we, we, um, we bless uh, Pastor Lynn as she's about to give this message, Lord, our, Lord God, this powerful message, Father God. Um, Lord, for those that were here this morning to hear it, Lord God, that we hear something new from it, Father God. And those that listen back to it, Father God, hear something different, a new word, Father God. And Lord, we just thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen.
to hear about somebody's faults and it is their successes <laughs> sometimes sometimes not in this house we like to hear about not over us but uh it's funny because um friday night actually the women the victorious women of the cross they gathered praise god for our victorious women of the cross and we had something that i had promoted at least through women of the world that is with one of our partners jan pragati mckay house if you guys are familiar with Mackay House, that's the house that we helped purchase. Um, and we raised $100,000 this last year during the COVID time, miraculously, to help get that house to them so that they could protect uh, high-risk women and their babies, and it happened. So on Friday night, they had what they called a virtual banquet, and the victorious women of the cross from Crossroads logged on so faithfully at 6 p.m. to represent Crossroads. Now, Pastor David and I were also supposed to log on at 6 p.m., but for some reason, I thought it was at 8 p.m. I don't know how I got that in my head. It was at 8 p.m., and I can give you all the excuses in the world why I thought it was at 8 p.m., but the bottom line is I just made a huge mistake. So David and I were just hanging out in our sweats, and and for those of you that are on the prayer train, on the prayer chain know la, 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 that um, I've been going through some physical challenges over the last couple weeks. So I'd been to the doctor and everything. So, And uh, I was in my sweats. David was in his leisurely clothes. And so all of a sudden I'm texting my sister who's on my board with Women of the World. And I said, hey, you know, why don't you join this virtual banquet at 8 p.m.? Okay. And so I said, I'll send you the link. So I got the link, and then I looked. Have you ever done this before? And realized I am one and a half hours late to something that we're supposed to be at. And so immediately I said, you know, we're just going to log on just the way we were. Make no makeup at all. You know, because it's better to <laughs> be there for 20 minutes than not at all. Especially when you're the major giver uh, for this organization. And so we did that, and, you know, uh, praise God, I did have to privately ask for forgiveness to the director over in India, uh, Nitin, and he was gracious towards us. But I say that to tell you that if you were late this morning, grace, <laughs> total grace, <laughs> because we all make mistakes, right? Um, this also in the middle of the night. Uh, David and I, in the middle of the night, 
I had forgotten that it was the spring forward. Okay, so I had to get, so in the middle of the night, the Lord woke me up and said, you know what, you need to set your alarm. You know, we wouldn't have been here had I not set my alarm. So I, in the middle of the night, I'm setting my alarm, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, I bet he forgot too. I bet he did. Okay, so the alarm goes off. And he, I get up, I know it's 6.15, spring forward time. He's like, why are you up at 5.15? I'm all, I couldn't wait for this moment, ladies. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't wait. Because you forgot to. Relationships, grace in our relationships. Come on. That's where the rubber meets the road. Right? That's where the nuts and bolts of our life, that's actually where... Our Christianity, the Holy Spirit needs to flow into those relationships. It's not just talk. It's not just religion. It's how we conduct our lives and our relationships. So I'm going to talk to you about clean relationships today. And I want to say this at the beginning of the series. For those of you that haven't been here or part of the series or listened, if you were listening via Facebook and all of that, God gave me a dream right after the thirst conference and it was a graduation ceremony and the lord had told me that he was graduating crossroads and their partners you in india nepal as well all of our partners that the lord was going to graduate us and pastor david and i our background is education and academia and so we've been a part of many graduation ceremonies and um So I understood what the Lord was saying, but the Lord said, you know what, but before you graduate or walk the line, because when you graduate, you are entering into, you're being commenced to a new level of authority. You have a degree in a certain area. You have a specialization. So you're commenced to something, a higher level in your life, something, a new door is open. Um, And the Lord has said, but before you can walk the line, go through your graduation ceremony, you have to clean the dorm. The dorm has to be clean or you can't walk the line. And so I felt like the Lord really just said, you know what? The Lord is bringing us to a new dimension in him and a new power and authority. And in order for that to happen, there's some stuff we got to take care of. And that's where this clean house uh, series has come from. It's the word of the Lord to our lives. And clean relationships is is purposefully in the the way that it is in this series because we dealt with first having clean hands and a clean heart and a clean mouth and a clean mind and clean motives so that we can have clean relationships if you don't have a clean mind i'm going to tell you you're not going to have a clean relationship whatever relationship it is we have to take thoughts captive. We have to let have the mind of Christ, you know, a clean heart, the commitment, the devotion. So the fact is this, it's built upon the things we talked about having clean relationships. The other thing I want to tell you is, and I felt really strongly while I was preparing this, because I really felt it was a battlefield spiritually this week. And actually Carolyn Orlando, the one that leads the furnace prayer time, she came and prayed for me after first service and she also felt it was a battlefield regarding the word that the lord has um uh, that the enemy was trying to prevent this word from going forth because this is the nuts and bolts this is the witness of our lives is our relationship you can talk it all day long but i want to know how you live i want the authentic 
And this generation wants the authentic. They want to know who's safe, who's healthy, who can I follow? And I'm going to say over this house, this house is going to be a safe house for people to grow, to heal, to discover who God is in their lives. This is going to be a healthy house, a healthy house of how we can conduct our relationships. And I'm going to say also this. I was not a perfect mom. I was and is not a per is. I am not a perfect wife. It's not about perfection, but it is about allowing the Holy Spirit to be a part of every relationship of my life. And, and as I've grown and as I've grown in the Lord, and this is what I want you to realize, as I've grown in the Lord, the presence of the Lord, the power of the Lord, the love of God has been greater in my life in those relationships. You say, well, you know what? I feel like you're going to hit, you're going to be like a dentist and you're going to hit on some nerves. Probably it will feel that way in some moments, but I don't want you to put up your guard. This is a, the Holy Spirit is for you, not against you. The enemy is against you. And the thing that the enemy wants is for you to have a diseased, dysfunctional relationship. He set it up that way. The enemy introduced evil into the world. The Lord did not introduce evil into the world. The enemy introduced evil into the world. And he attacked the relationship. He's the one that sowed the seed of sin in the relationship. Humans accepted it. Humans stepped outside of the canopy and the submission to God and rebelled against God and all that. But it was the enemy that brought sin and evil into relationships. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit is for you to have healthy relationships, to have safe relationships, to have God honoring relationships, to have pure relationships. The other thing I want to say is this, and, and I say that because I don't want you to feel condemned. The word condemned, I'm going to mark off, like I'm going to put it like an X. No, not belong here. Because condemned means that I have some sort of, I am condemned to something. In other words, I am, when somebody's condemned to prison or condemned to death, that means that they are locked in to that. And that's what the enemy wants you to feel, that you're locked into something. Rather, conviction says the Lord is identifying something to bring freedom and empowerment to it. Okay? So let the Holy Spirit free you. But the only thing is, is you can't be shut down or rejecting the truth of the word of God when you're listening. You have to have an open heart. So you know what, Lord? I pray over the people right now that they would have an open spirit to hear the word of the Lord, that they would have truth to set them free, that they would yield and surrender to you in all of their relationships. And Lord, that they would not say no to you, but they would say yes to your Holy Spirit because you lead us and guide us into all truth in your name. Amen. I want to say this. Jesus set the foundation for what relationships should look like. Matthew 22, verse 37 is this. It's the greatest commandments. The greatest commandment, Jesus tells them, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, I'm going to say God is pretty easy to love. God's easy to get along with. You know why? Because he's like... He has a gopi love towards us, unconditional love towards us. He's pretty easy to get along with. 
He just says, love me with all. But the second commandment is interesting because, and the second, Jesus says, is like it. What? Like the first. It has the same characteristics of the first commandment. This has to do with relationships. This has to do with horizontal, not the vertical. Although the vertical, how I'm doing here, affects how I'm doing here. So when I'm loving all here, the outcome of that all is this. So the fact is this. Like it, meaning like it according to love your neighbor as yourself, requires the same type of surrender as the first commandment. Loving the Lord with all. Loving the Lord with all. In order for us to love our neighbor as ourselves, we have to have the same characteristics of how we love God. Ooh. See, the direct, there's a direct correlation between your relationship with others and your relationship with God. There is a direct correlation. And I want to say the enemy knows this because the first thing the enemy attacks in our relationships is our relationship with God. So he attacks our relationship with God, thereby attacking our relationship with others. Okay? This is what happened in the Garden of Eden. The distortion, the dysfunction, the disease of relationships happened as a result of sin entering into the world. The enemy introduced evil. Genesis 3.16 is the statement of the curse after sin has entered into the world. And the statement is about dominion. Listen. Dominion, domination in relationships is not a result of God's intention. It's a result of the curse. If you've ever heard messages that uh, quote Genesis chapter 3 as God's intention for relationship, that is wrong. That's the curse. That came as a result of evil. God's intention for relationship was never domination. And Genesis 3.16 tells us that one of the aspects of the curse is, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, we were, are going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about children, and hopefully I'm going to get to all other kinds of relationships. But let me say this about it, is that God's intention in Adam and Eve, husband and wife, was a, a partnership, a oneness. Actually, what's quoted in Genesis chapter 2 is that uh, Adam would leave and cleave, leave his mother and father and cleave. It's quoted in Genesis 2. Let me just say this. Adam didn't even have like a biological uh, parent, right? But it's quoted in Genesis chapter 2 is that he would be one with his wife, that there would be an intimacy of partnership and regarding the woman, her name, her name was not yet Eve, but regarding the woman, she was called a helper in the Hebrew, the word is there, E-Z-E-R, helper. 
the word helper was not a subordinate person. It wasn't a less, lesser than person. It was an equal status helper. Now, I know for me, have you ever needed help with some something and the person you needed help from was somebody that knew more about it than you? Yeah, like when I call for IT, I don't want them to have the same information or less than I, right? I want somebody to help me get the job done. I want somebody to come and have maybe a different perspective on things. To help me see something. What am I missing here? Come and proofread for me this document because I want to make sure that it's right. What am I missing? And in a sense here in scripture, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, I just want to lay the foundation that domination does not come from the Lord. He gave dominion to them. Domination over others is not from the Lord. Okay, come on. It's going to be quiet. It was quiet the first time. It's going to be quiet the second time. Okay. Now, we're going to get into marriage specifically, but also in the family, very soon after Genesis 4, 7, and 8, hate and murder between Cain and Abel came in. Their relationship. Now, I want you to, I want to show you how Cain's relationship was actually attacked, in a sense, by the enemy, or the enemy caused Cain, because sin had been entered into the world, to have a distortion of his relationship with God, which created jealousy about the sacrifices. So let's look. Genesis 4, 7, and 8. This is what God says. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now, remember, sin has become the master as a result of the sin being entered in through rebellion. Now, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Now, listen. The enemy is the author of uh, homes that are tore up. The enemy is the author of jealousy and division and disunity and anger and resentment and bitterness in families. And how even as a pastor, I have seen it in families, those characteristics that have created such hostility in families. And that is not the will of the Lord. That is not his design for family. But we see the enemy first attacking the relationship Cain had or the perspective Cain had on God. And therefore, it permeated out into what he did to his brother Abel. Christ came to redeem our relationships. I never, I like to get through the bad stuff so I can get to the good stuff. Christ came to redeem our relationships. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So that we might become what? The righteousness of God. He was righteous, but he became sin so that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. So therefore, how do we walk out this life? We are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's your identity in your relationships. That's your identity. So Jesus became sin so that we could have clean relationships. See, the truth is this. Our holy God does not do unholy things. 
He does not orchestrate unholy things. He does not ordain unholy things in our lives. And he has given us the power to have relationships that honor him. He, listen, he has given you the power to have your relationships, the ones that he has given to you to steward. He has given you relationships to steward. He has given you the power to honor him because you are a new creation. Don't say you can't do it. You can do it because Christ became sin so that you can be the righteousness of God in Christ. You can do it with his power. You cannot do it in your power. Just like Cain could not overcome the sin that was crouching at his door in his own power. But because Christ became sin, we now can be the righteousness of God in Christ. We can do this through his power. Ephesians 4.22. We're going to get into the book of Ephesians because we're new creations. Now remember in this book of Ephesians, Paul is writing to new believers, Gentiles, new Christians. And he's teaching them how to live, how to live in their relationships. And the reason why I start with Ephesians chapter 4 is because he tells the people, you have to put off your old self. You have to put off the old ways of thinking. You can't be like the world to have Christ-centered relationships. Quiet. We call it crickets. Okay, Ephesians 4.22. India crickets. I don't know. Does India have crickets? I don't know. Okay. Ephesians 4.22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Who was taught? You were. What are you supposed to do? You're to put it off. Just like I can take off this smock I'm wearing. I can do it. I have the power to do it. I don't have to wait for David to do it. I can do it. And you were taught to put off your old self. Okay, Ephesians 4.22. Then he goes on. What does that old self look like? Ephesians 4.31 through 32. Let all bitterness... Well, I can go into a whole sermon about bitterness, which I will someday. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So he's saying our relationships have practical aspects to them when they have been redeemed we have put off our old self the lord does not confirm or affirm impurity in our relationships he does not protect listen this is really important he does not protect impurity in our relationships he does not protect worldliness in our relationships he wants that stuff to go because those are disease. That's from the evil one. Those are the things that create distortion and dysfunction and domination and pain and hurt. The Lord does not protect impurity. And he wants his children to have relationships that are God honoring to him. So we go into Ephesians. 
what we call the household codes. Pastor David referred to the words household codes, and those of us, us that have studied, you know, professionally scripture, that's what they're called in many of Paul's books when he talks about family relationships that's called the household codes. Now, I want you to know that many times when we read these scriptures, we read them through the lens of an American. We read them through the lens of a Westerner, how we've been cultivated in our freedoms and all these things. I want you to know something about the household codes of Ephesians chapter 5. I want you to know this, that they're a freedom manifesto for women. They are not a, a bondage to women. They're actually a freedom manifesto because this is the truth about it. In that era, when Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, women were like slaves. They were property. Children as well were property to the male. And the Lord is telling the Christian man, the Christian husband and wife relationship will not be characterized by slavery, but it's going to be characterized by love. It's going to be characterized by equality. It's going to be characterized by respect. It's going to be characterized by honor. Okay. But what does it look like? How does it boil down? Because he's telling the Ephesian church and he's telling us the same thing that you have been given relationships to steward them for the Lord. Your relationship with your husband or wife or children or whoever, friendships, family members, church family members, neighbors, are, are relationships the Lord has given to you to steward for him. Because you have his DNA now. You went through, you caught out of Egypt. You went through the Red Sea. What does that mean? I went through the blood. I went through the blood into freedom. And now I have, I'm a new creation. I have his DNA. You have his DNA. Guess what? For all your relationships, even your relationship with your enemies, even the relationship we have with our society, that's very worldly, very even anti-Christ. We have his DNA to have be Christ to the world. So let's look at this relationship, husband and wife relationship. Well, first I want to read Ecclesiastes 4.12. It's a wisdom literature. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. This scripture is many times used in a marriage ceremony. What does it mean? It means you need to have Christ central in your relationship. If you want a strong relationship, you have Christ central and not here and there, not just on Sundays, not just when things are bad, not just when we get desperate, not just when our relationships starting to go down into the toilet. No, you are to live with Christ centeredness in your marriage relationship. See, the truth is this, the marriage relationship, it doesn't matter what country you are in, India, Nepal, Bangladesh, U.S., it is characterized the godly, Christ-centered marriage relationship according to Ephesians. It's not cultural. It's kingdom culture is to have the characteristics of love, honor, respect, partnership, oneness, and unity. Amen, Pastor Lynn. Amen. But the responsibility in your marriage, and those of you that are single, just hold with me a little bit. 
on both, is on both parties. It's on the husband and the wife to cooperate in partnership with one another. It, the responsibility is on who? Both. Some, I've had some ladies say, well, my husband's not leading the family, so I'm a limp noodle. You're not a limp noodle. You have responsibility, by the way. You have just as much responsibility. It just looks different. It just looks different. That's all. So this is what scripture says. Ephesians 5.21. Very important. I, I used the word last service. I'll use this. In scripture, it has something called pericopes. That means basically a section of scripture that all relates with one another. And in, it doesn't matter where your script, you realize the chapters and verses in your Bible are man-made, right? Somebody did that for you to help you read. Many times in your Bible, Ephesians 5.21 is from the previous pericope, meaning the previous paragraph. So there's a nice, a nice title that says, now husband and wife's relationships, right? And they leave 521 out of it. There's a big problem with that. There's a couple problems. There's a grammatical problem with that as well as there is a theological problem with that. Uh, Ephesians 521 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Foundationally in our relationship in marriage is equality to submit one to another. Then Paul writes about specifics in how we do that. How do we go about doing that? Ephesians 5, 22 and 24 says this. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Verse 24. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So this is the responsibility of the wife. The responsibility, now remember the word submission means getting under the mission. What is the mission? See, remember, what's the context? You know, I don't know if any of you ever buy real estate, if you bought your home. You know what the three most important things to buy in real estate are? What's the first, the three things? Location, location, location. That's what they say. When we want to understand scripture, the most important thing is context 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 we need to understand what is paul referring to he is talking to two christian people husband and wife in this family and he is saying to them that you are to be under the mission the submission what is the mission on their lives to have a what kind of home a god honoring home a christ-centered home to have put off your old self just remember what we just read in ephesians chapter 4 this is the goal of this and how are you going to go about it wives you're going to submit to your husbands because in this relationship i have given the husbands a greater responsibility now it's gonna get real quiet i have chosen to give the husbands a greater responsibility because you're to submit, but guess what he has to do? Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. That's a pretty powerful love, by the way. And gave himself up for her. I am giving, the Lord says, through the hand of Paul writing to the church, I am giving to the men the greater responsibility to protect the mission on the life of this family. And that is going to be Christ-centered. 
And the way that I'm communicating is this. You're going to be under this mission. You're going to support this mission. You're not going to work against it. You're not going to be rebellious towards this mission on the life of your family. But your husband has the greater responsibility. He's going to protect this. He's going to be like Christ is to the church. He has that greater responsibility. But you're not to tear him down. You're going to build him up. You're going to be that helper. You're going to help him with that mission. Come on, Jesus. So the, ha- the household codes are very significant. I also want to say this, because I've heard some really bad theology on the household codes. Like submission, it says submission in, in, in everything. But it doesn't say in anything. Now let me just say something. It's not submission in sin. What's the see? Because the context is you've put off your old self. The context is we're going to have a Christ-centered home. The context of this submission is I'm under the mission. I'm participating. I'm helping build this family to be God-honoring, God-serving, and my husband is to protect that. He is to protect that. He is to initiate it, and I am to help him. But I don't submit for wickedness because submission is always first unto the Lord. Ephesians 5.21. We submit unto the Lord, which is always foundational. And I've heard some really wacky theology from women with a broken up, messed up children who have come and said, well, I let my husband abuse my king, all this junk. Because you're supposed to submit. I'm thinking to myself, what are you submitting to? You're submitting to the enemy in that. You're not submitting to Christ. You are to interfere in that. Come on, Jesus. And we're going to get, you know how I know, because Jesus is going to back this up in just a minute. But we are to submit to the mission on this home. And we're to submit to the mission that God has placed on our husband's life. That he is to lead this family. And he's to protect the mission. God built and made men a certain way for a certain reason. Listen, if I'm going to walk through an alley, a dark alley, and I have to choose between Rebecca or Nick, I choose Nick. I know Rebecca's like, she, you know, she can take some things. She's pretty, you know, scrappy. But I know Nick can take more than Rebecca can. Why? Because I know he can protect me. Listen, we live in a fall. I'm just going to go real with this. We live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. Paul's writing to a broken world. He's saying this is how we live out our Christ-like marital family relationships in a broken world, in a sin-filled world, in a world where the curse is present. The curse is still manifest. Listen, travel with me all over the world. The curse is manifested. The domination is there, but it's not from the Lord. It's from the enemy. Sex trafficking and all these other human trafficking comes from domination, comes from evil. It's not ever God's purpose. So Paul says, listen. We live in a broken world. And the truth is this, ladies. Thank God. We, those of us that live in the U.S., 
You live in a great country. No matter how messed up we are, we have a great country. Because we live in a country where we have freedoms. There's a lot of people, a lot of believing women, a lot of spirit-filled women in this earth don't have the freedoms we have. And we thank the Lord for that. But we live in a broken world. And Paul is saying, I have given the husbands the assignment to protect. I've given the husbands the assignment to lead the family. And I'm saying one of the things that the Lord is calling men in a muscle church to do is not just lead your family, but to lead the family of God, to lead uh, the, the people that he's called you, the, the arena that he has given to you, that you should be a man of God representing Jesus Christ. You should be the safest person there is. Oh, Jesus, we're going to have healthy people, healthy marriages, healthy relationships in this house. See, we are as women to support and build our house to honor God. Proverbs 14, 1 says this, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. It's important because see, we don't have perfect families. We don't have perfect marriages and we don't have perfect husbands or wives so we always have the choice we always have the choice of whether we're going to build or whether we're going to tear if we focus in on the imperfections all the time ladies we will tear by our words by our actions by our attitude by our spirit by our arrogance it may be subtle but it's there we are to build, see, we're to build up our husbands in the mission. And we're going to get to those that you say, well, my husband's really not even doing anything. We'll get there in a minute. But we still have that responsibility. We have that responsibility. The other thing I want you to know in this scripture is that Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5 with the mindset of the redeemed marriage. Because he quotes in Ephesians chapter 531, he quotes Genesis chapter 2. He doesn't quote Genesis chapter 3, which is the curse. And when sin enters in the world, he quotes the intention of God for the marriage, which was equality and honor and respect and love and oneness and unity. You know, and I want all the men to stand right now. Men, it doesn't matter if you're married. Because you have been given a responsibility. You have been given a power of protecting. And the problem is, is when you're not protecting, the enemy can come in and destroy. I want to say something. We're going to quote something. You're going to quote a scripture over your home and over your arena of influence. Whether you're like Nick, a youth pastor whether you have business, your family, bigger family, you're going to quote in a second. But I want you to know that when men don't protect, there's a great vulnerability to the children. There's a great vulnerability to women too when men don't protect. And I'm saying godly protection, Christ-like protection. I want to say this. Between 60, it matters what statistic you look at, but between 60 and 95% of, in the U.S., people, women, 
mostly some men too, boys, that are trafficked. And the, the average child that's trafficked is 14. The average child that enters into trafficking is 12. That 60 to 95% are come from foster care. No protection. No protection. We need men of God. And it's not just about your form no more. It's not just about your biologic children. It's about you being men of God in the earth. What is James talk about true religion is about? I'm caring for the widows and the orphans. Your influence and the power that God has given to you to function in goes beyond. It goes to your family for sure, but it goes beyond that. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to declare Joshua 24, 15. And I'm going to, I'll read it with you. But you're declaring this over your home and over your arena of influence. Got it on there? But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Now we're going to go high on this. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Say it again. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can be seated. I'm going to declare over you that you will be the protector of having a God-centered home. You will be protector of the mission that God has on your life. And that is to be a man of God. To think with the mind of Christ. Listen, over this house, the safest place for a single woman, a single divorced woman, a single woman, widowed woman, uh, it should be in this house where she can have godly fathers and godly brothers in the Lord. Too long has the church been defiled with wrong thinking and impurity. I told you that the Lord never protects impurity. And in our relationships, the way we think about people, our emotions, all of those things, the Lord says, I want you to have a pure heart. I want you to have a pure mind. I want you to have pure motives. I want you to have a pure mouth. I want you to have clean hands. Why? So that you have good, pure relationships because you are me to this world. Why could Jesus sit with the prostitutes and the sinners? Because he had a pure mind. He had a, he had a pure mind. He called daughter, daughter, because he knew this one was vulnerable. This one didn't get what she needed. Come on, Jesus. God is raising up this muscle church. And this generation needs to trust people, authentically trust people. And it starts from the internal, external, meaning it starts with the right heart and the right mind and a pure heart and a pure mind and a pure spirit and a pure motive. And I challenge, and you know what? We have the mission of this house on this church that we will be muscle and you will be muscle men and you will be muscle women. For your families, for your marriages, for this next generation, so that they know they can say, you can say to them, follow me as I follow Christ. 
Come on, I'm going to teach you how to have a healthy relationship. I'm going to teach you to have, have a good, solid marriage because you can follow me as I follow Christ because no matter how you slice my life, it's going to come up Jesus. Not Friday nights, not given to the flesh. Friday nights, Jesus night. Jesus is a lot of fun, by the way. And Jesus is the greatest adventurer that there is. Come on. Come on. And so for those women specifically, or it could be men too. It tends to be women. You say, well, my husband, he's not even going to church. He's not even really hardly doing anything. What does the Lord say to you about this? You keep doing what is right. Keep in submission to the Lord. Keep loving your husband. Keep being generous of spirit to your husband. Keep a meek spirit, not an arrogant spirit towards your husband. 1 Peter 3.1, Paul writes about this. And he says to the women and the men, If any of them, and he's speaking about the husbands, do not believe the word. If they're an unbelieving man or a barely believing man, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives. So you keep doing Jesus. You keep saying, you know what, Lord, I'm going to submit my spirit to you. I'm going to be a godly wife. I'm going to be believing in my husband. I'm going to be praying for him. I'm going to keep doing what is right. You do not incorporate or include wickedness in your home. That's not what the scripture says. It says that you are to have purity and reverence. So there may be some challenges if your husband... It's trying to pull you over or your wife's trying to pull you into things. But you, scripture says that they can be won over. There's something about the influence of a woman. Women have influence. For some reason, we have been given the gift of influence. Look at Eve. She sure did, didn't she? The gift of influence, bad or good. And the truth is this. He can use us. The Holy Spirit can use us through continuing to do what is right. Keep your kids in church. Keep coming, keep doing, keep the word before, keep reading the word, keep praying, keeping a right spirit. And the Lord has given to you a promise. Amen, Pastor Lynn. He has. I know it can be tough, but he has. I want to say this about children and the next generation. One of the greatest passions of my heart is for children. And I want you to know that enemy does not want you to lead your children spiritually and he doesn't want you to think that it's important to lead your children spiritually two things he doesn't want you to lead your children spiritually and he doesn't want you to think it's important but i'm going to say this someone is leading your children spiritually Why is our society telling us not to lead our children spiritually or in identity or any of those things? Our society, which has the fuel of the enemy's philosophies behind it, says create that vacuum of authority. Create that vacuum. And guess what? I'm going to step in and fill it. I'm going to step in and fill it with all my junk. All the junk that I have In order to confuse and to plant seeds in those children. It is vital. 
It is vital for you to lead your children. It's vital for your relationship to your children and your relationship to the Lord. The mission on your life. The submission to that mission on your life. To lead your children. And not just children that's biologically yours. But the arena of influence. This next generation. Because the enemy, there are so many people who are believing the script of the world. And opening up the door to letting the enemy step in. To being the authority in the lives of their children. You know, I really feel this. I'm just going to go deep. I'm, I'm going to go maybe a little offensive here. Keep your children in the house of the Lord. They will learn things by being around other believers. That's not just about sitting in a pew or in a seat being taught. They're going to learn and have relationships with safe people. With people who have the spirit of Jesus in them. That's going to prophesy into their life. That's going to see something that you'll miss. That you'll miss as a parent. You know, I was brought up in the church. You know that. I was brought up basically in a pretty good situation. I have godly parents. But thank goodness they kept me in the house of the Lord. Because in times when I was struggling way down deep and they had no idea. There was a person who had the stirring of their spirit. That would lay upon their their hand on my shoulder and say. You know what Leanne I feel like you're going through something. And I knew it was from the Lord. This thing, I'm just going deep and I'm going to go hard. This thing with our children belong everywhere, but the house of the Lord is not a good thing because it makes them vulnerable. It makes them vulnerable to the enemy and to the philosophies of this world that are so permeating and forceful. They need to be saturated in the house of the Lord. How did I learn to worship? By watching It's funny because my granddaughter, Penny, they now live up in Salem. And they're going to church up there. And Phoebe was telling me, you know, Penny, she doesn't, at their church they're going to, the children don't come in and worship for the first 30 minutes with the parents. And so Penny doesn't want to go to the kids thing. She wants to be with us and worship. I said, well, she's used to that. She she goes, she doesn't make a disruption at all. She just wants to be in worship. I said, she's used to that. She's been cultivated that way. How does she learn to worship? I learned by watching. I learned by watching mom and dad. I told you just a little while ago, maybe a few months ago, Penny was sitting on her mom's lap and she started to speak in tongues. What are you doing, Penny? I'm praying. How? I didn't sit down and say, come on, let's do this. She didn't go to the the Holy Spirit baptism retreat either. She learned it because she got, she was in the culture. She was in the aroma. She was in the aroma of the presence of God. How do we learn the altar times? How do we learn to weep? How do we learn that it's okay to be real? It's the aroma. Being in the aroma, I want to challenge you. 
for this generation, for the next generation, your example to your children is vital. Your example to the next generation is vital. Your example in how you live your life is vital. Your example to purity is vital. Your example to show them how to forgive is vital. Vital. Jesus said, I told you I'd get to Jesus. Matthew 18, 6. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. The one filled with grace and truth says these words. I thought, Lord, what's your heart? And then he was showing me, he's like, you know what, Lynn? And I, you know, I see little children all the time. We have a school filled with them and I see babies. And I look at little babies and I think about what's going to cultivate you, what's going to form you. Is your daddy going to protect you? Is somebody going to teach you when you're little that you belong to the Lord and he loves you so that you walk erect? I look at him and sometimes I look at him and I just say a prayer over them. Maybe I see him. I was in Kaiser. I saw this little baby in the arms of a mom and I had a feeling it was rough. It was rough. And I said, Lord, bring that child across the path of somebody that loves you. Somebody that loves you. A safe person. I have such a heart for this next generation, for the teenagers, for the babies, for the children, for the parents. What does it all look like? It all boils down to being Jesus to this world. Well, Lynn, it's not my problem. You know what? It is. Because when you stepped in to receive Jesus, he became sin for us so that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Then he said, now you have a mission to be me in this world. Because I sent you. So has he sent me, I'm sending you. I want you to stand. and I feel some conviction I said let it be let the Holy Spirit don't build up a wall men of God you can do this the world tells you you can't the enemy's behind that word that says oh that's just men being men no it's not 
the greatest man that walked this earth was Jesus and he said I have put my spirit in you I have put my spirit in you I have put my spirit in you and greater things you're going to do because I'm going to the Father come on Jesus I feel Jesus in this room I want you to lift up your hands both of them like this and what you're put in there is your relationships some of you say well I'm not a wife or a husband or I don't have biological children listen this goes way beyond that and you know it it's all relationships refiners fire Lord the greatest testimony of this world to this world by your body is going to be the relationships that we have that we're going to love people in a way that's supernatural and we're going to have love one for another that's supernatural and we're going to have muscle marriages and we're going to have muscle children and we're going to raise up a generation and we're going to be people who interfere in the enemy's attacks on this generation we have been called to destroy the works of the enemy you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine or think about the children in your lives or the teens in your lives or the people in your life your family members your loved ones your neighbors whatever comes to your mind and the Lord says as you're thinking about them you're Jesus to them. Husbands, look at your wives or think about them. Wives, look at your husbands. Say, I'm Jesus to them. It goes beyond we're partners to procreate. It goes beyond romance. Those things are good. Those things are part of it. God made us that way. But it goes beyond that. And as we know, there's a lot of challenges in the marriage. And the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy marriages. Because he knows if he can do that, then he shatters the strength of the family. And creates vulnerability. And I can go into all the reasons why that happens. But may the statistics I give you, even just with trafficking, be enough for you to realize the vulnerabilities that happen. Lord, I welcome you into all of my relationships. My co-workers, my neighbors, my extended family, my enemies. I welcome you, Lord, into all of my relationships.
Worship team, sing this song. This is our prayer. If the altar's where you meet us, take me there, take me there. If what you need is just an offering, it's right here. My life is here, and I'll be a I want to be tried by fire, purified. You take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. I want to be tried by to come here let it fall we want it all your fire is consuming fill this place set it ablaze and I'll be a living sacrifice for you you're a fire the refiner consumed. I want to be tried by fire, purified. You take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. I want to be tried listening right now you need to know say well I fall short and the Lord says but my grace makes up for it listen some of you you're like well I know I'm not doing things exactly perfectly and the Lord is saying yeah your my grace makes up for that keep yourself in the atmosphere of my grace see the enemy would want to say to you you have to do it perfect in order to succeed and you know you can't so don't even try that's what the enemy says to you that's what the whole thing about keeping the law was about is I have to do it perfectly or I'm condemned to death and the truth is this you were not called to keep the law anymore you are called to give all of yourself to Jesus and he is full of grace and he wants you to dwell in his grace but he's also wanting to grow you in areas of your life see he didn't give us grace so that we continue in sin he didn't give us grace so that sin would abound he gave us grace so that we can have his power in our lives 
so that we can be more than conquerors, so that we can be overcomers, so that we can live like Jesus. We have to be full of him. And he helps us. And no, you're not going to do it perfectly. And the Lord says, that's okay because I am with you. And I make up for where you lack. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Don't get distracted. Don't get, don't put the world as your priority. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Then you can love your neighbor as yourself. See, it all comes back to that. So when we say refiner's fire, we say, Lord, okay, take me to that next level. That area of my life, Lord, in my relationships, where you're saying, okay, you can do it. You can do this. And you can honor me in this. This is how you grow. This is how you become more like me. Lord, we surrender to you. We yield to you. We welcome you. We don't have a spirit of fear. We don't have condemnation. We know, Lord Jesus, that you are full of grace and you're full of truth and you will help us. You are our helper. You are the one that's better at it than we are. And so you help us. You guide us into how to do it. So we surrender to you. As Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, we are a living sacrifice holy and pleasing we offer up our bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing unto you which is our reasonable act of service it's our worship unto you and we are not conformed to this world but we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds i want you to know something that word being transformed by the renewing of your minds has to do with areas of repentance. Repentance means change thinking. Saying, you know what? Is there areas where I just need to repent of? And the Lord changes my thinking in that area. See, repentance isn't this bad thing. It's not a humiliating thing. It's a place where we say, I give this to the Lord and he changes my thinking about it. Lord, we give these areas to you. Change our thinking about it so that we walk in obedience to you in your precious name. Prayer teams, if you can come forward, be available for people who need prayer. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for being with us. Amen.
Here's my 